You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert. With me is Brandon Atkins and the notorious Robert Bricky. And you picked... See, you said you were sick last week, Mm -hmm. but I'm not buying it. I think you're sort of cherry picking at this point, Rick. Not gonna lie, and and I hope there's no fisticuffs by the end of this this show. No. But welcome. Thank you. Always good to be here. I was under the weather last week. Otherwise, I would have been here. All right. All right. All right. And all right. Determining, depending on the outcome, Saturday he might have been sick again. Yeah, I know. And, and you tell you guy, you tell a guy he's got an open invite, and he's like, hey. We just won by 10. It's a great time. I'm coming to go. in on Monday to talk about it. <laughs> Big win for Duke this weekend. They pulled away from UNC, and I'm going to tell you, your pucker factor had to be something serious at some point because UNC really played good basketball for the first 30 minutes or so. And then Marvin Bagley happened. And Brandon, after the game, I have to give him credit. He said, man, you know, if they're going to play like that, there's no shame in getting beat at Cameron. We've talked in the past, Brick, about Marvin Bagley, and he just does things on the basketball court you don't expect to see an 18-year-old young man do. Right. Where's he at in the pantheon of, of Duke players? I don't think I've ever seen a player like he's – he's an odd combination of length, skill, athleticism – and he has a knack for finding the ball. So he's – I've never seen a player like him in a Duke uniform, and not many otherwise. Well, we were talking this weekend and trying to figure out freshmen that have come into the NCAA that have had as well-rounded a game that was as well-suited for the NBA that just jumped off the screen at you. The only thing I can come up with really is Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo, the thing that he didn't have that Bagley does is that sort of want to. Right. With the ball in his hands, Carmelo was a relentless scorer, but he wasn't going to do a whole lot of things off the ball. Right. Bagley is an accomplished rebounder. He's going to D up and always seems to be playing hard. And it's good to see him come back off this injury. But is there anybody else that you can think of, you know, in, in our lifetimes – that has had this kind of impact as a freshman. And and when I say that, let me qualify that, because there have been some guys that have come along. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, when he was Chris Jackson right. at LSU as a, as a freshman, came out about 37 a night. Trey Young earlier this year. So there are guys that have come out that have had an impact, and you look at him, you're like, well, that's nice, but it doesn't necessarily translate as it stands now. Right. The only guy I can think of is the Aiton kid at Arizona – 
He really he can score as well as he can block shots and rebound, and he's a freshman. And those two guys are amazing. I think they'll be long time, very good, possibly NBA All Stars. Well, I, I will a, say this: I'd pay a hundred G's for. I, I was going to say that in the <laughs> in, you know in the whole scheme of things, Marvin Bagley probably is not going to get Coach K fired, and possibly even put in prison. <laughs> Well, see, that's so the thing. he's got that on Aiton. That's okay. the thing about Bagley is you, we mentioned Mello when we were talking offline, but you know Mello didn't have to do that when he was at Syracuse because he had Warwick around the rim who was right. like fierce around the rim. He had McNamara who was like pushing the ball was a three point threat. If you look at Bagley, I mean I know he doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he's all that wrapped into one. Like right. he, he can he can jump shot his left hand hook shot is just lethal, almost unstoppable, to the point where teams are having to play him to his left hand and he's just spinning around going to, you know, to his right hand. And then that one play where it, he put it up and before anybody even knew he was gonna miss, he was getting his own rebound and slamming it. And he's got a nasty quality that I like in players. Right. I wish we had more Carolina players who were just He's not mean in a in a bad way. Right. It's the kind of good mean that you want right. in a player. And I can promise you that he had heard – he won't let Pinson have in anything in that game, this last game. Because, you know, Pinson – they had him on Pinson in the first game and rolled him out to half court, and Pinson was getting penetration on him. You know he had been thinking about that the entire time. And one other thing about this this last game is that Duke rolls out – three-fourths court trap in the second half, and I was shocked that Carolina didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bagley was probably going to win that game anyway, but we had like we had never been trapped before, and we got good ball handlers. Right. So, um, and, you know, I, I just don't – did y'all notice that? Like, I mean, Well, they were in the th- – yeah, when they pulled out and went three-quarter court, it obviously disrupted what UNC was doing, and I was surprised with the senior point guard – and and a senior off guard with Pinson, it was surprising that they didn't react better to it. But to get back to the Marvin Bagley conversation, I want to I want to put it in context and see what you guys think about this. Before Lonzo Ball was a thing, Brandon Ingram was drafted as a franchise player at the top end of the draft by the Los Angeles Lakers, and watching him at Duke. It occurred to me the other night, I never saw Brandon Ingram do anything on the basketball court that I haven't seen Marvin Bagley do better, and he's got a better body type because Brandon Ingram it really needs to put on about 40 pounds. Right. But is there is there something I'm missing from Brandon Ingram's years at Duke, or year at Duke? I don't think so. Um, matter of fact, Bagley was named ACC – and Rookie of the Year, ACC Player and Rookie of the Year, which is, uh, I think, Okafor did it a few years back, but that's a rare feat. Ingram, I think he shoots it a little better from perimeter, but you're right, he's got to put on some weight. He's got a chance to be an excellent NBA player, but uh, Bagley can do so many things. And if you can rebound and block shots and shoot jumpers, I mean, how do you defend that? He's, He's a nightmare matchup. So if he's got a smaller guy, you can post him. If he's got a bigger guy, take it to the perimeter. Plus, he can put it on the floor. Well, 
Tough matchup. I think those two players are two dip, totally different players. Like Ingram, even in college, he didn't want to drive. He wanted he would settle for the three. Right. And you know now that he's in in the NBA and he probably needs to drive. He just hasn't gained the weight to right. be able to like muscle. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He hasn't added anything. Well, the thing with Ingram, he's almost lost. You know, Lonzo Ball has sucked the oxygen out of L.A. What little bit there is, because Hold that's on, just he a had a bad basketball. He had team. a double double the other night, man. Like Great. eighteen and eleven. Great. <laughs> what have you said a million times? If you play me thirty-five minutes, somebody's got to get those points. No, I said. But my point is, is that Brandon Ingram's putting up a nice year, and has really kind of come into his own. But I don't know that I've seen anything that, that leads me to believe he's going to be a superstar. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Brandon Ingram. Now, on the other side of that that Duke ball club, this weekend was senior night for the Blue Devils. And they only have one senior on the roster, which is always kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. Grayson Allen's embrace with Coach K was special for me. There wasn't anything contrived about it. There was a lot of emotion. They've been through a lot together, for better or for worse. And Grayson Allen, I want to know, first of all, Robert, as a as a Blue Devil alum and, and an all-time, I don't want to embarrass you when I say this, but as an all-time great player at Duke, where is Grayson Allen's place in history? This is a guy... They undoubtedly would not have won a national championship without his contribution as right. a freshman. He was sort of that secret weapon, the X factor, even in the championship game against Wisconsin. He I, it really kind of put the team on his back there for a very short period of time. Probably played his best basketball at Duke as a sophomore. Right. And then as a junior, his whole world just sort of collapsed on him. But there's been this rebirth as a, as a senior where he really – has been willing to take a back seat and let these freshmen drive the train. Right. He's shown this adaptability and this ability to deal with difficult circumstances, but he's still a pariah. And for those of you that are not in North Carolina, you guys have seen the the, the highlights and you've seen the trips, you've seen the flops, you've seen the 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 temper tantrum that he threw. But from a basketball standpoint, where do you think he stands in Duke history? Well, certainly he's he's a very talented kid. He's a he's a very good athlete. He shoots the ball, handle the ball. He does a lot of things. He can rebound. He can defend. He's a hard guy to put in in a lineup because, like you say, some of the things his first year he. Made some contributions. His sophomore year was unbelievable, which I thought he should have left. Well, in retrospect, there's no doubt. Right. I mean, you're talking about a guy that probably would have been a top ten pick had yeah. he come out after his sophomore year and has since cost himself a lot of money. Right. I thought he was co-player of the year with Cat Barber that year. and average Another guy that should have stayed in – well, he – the opposite. He should have stayed, stayed in school. But he had – he'd average 22 and a half or something like that. And I'm thinking you're not going to have a better year. Plus, you're going to have three, four McDonald's All-Americans coming in. Now you got to share the ball. It, I thought it was a great time to go. But I admire the fact that he stayed. He had some struggles, and he overcame those struggles. So, And I, I had a chance. He was uh, on our coaching staff at the K Academy. Was it last summer, I believe? And I got a chance to know him. And I thought he was a phenomenal kid. Really? 
thought he was a phenomenal kid. So, and it's different when you see somebody in a non-basketball environment, and we had a chance of to course. hang out and talk. And I and I love the kid, but uh, I I think he's a great at Duke. He just his struggles were so well documented. I think that's what killed him. God, after you guys described him, should we just go ahead and give him like a Congressional Medal of Honor or Purple Heart or Pulitzer Prize? Well, you've got a couple minutes to state your case. I, look, I you can go back, and if you listen to the tape, as last season was going on, I actually defended Grayson Allen. Because at heart, he is still just a kid. So, right. like, layoff. When the national media, when it was like almost the 30 for 30 on the ESPN about his attitude – but you know, I always I always define someone's character in moments of crisis, and we talked about this off the air. Yeah, man, you can be the best person in you know just outside of work or you know off the court or whatever the case may be. And I do think that's him. But he does have a tendency to show some poor character flaws, right. like in crisis. Which I mean, if you're in a you know, competitive situation like an ACC rivalry, like a Duke Carolina or any other game for that matter. You know, the tripping I think is kind of beyond him, but still he shows glimpses of just kind of having a bad attitude. Right. Well, is it fair though to invoke a term like character when what you're basing, and I'm not, I'm just saying you, I'm not pointing the finger at you, but when the public at large wants to define someone in five-second segments of life that they see on a television screen or at an arena where you really don't know who that is. You know, being a, a, a you know an upstanding adult, a good parent, those things are a whole lot more important in the bigger scheme of things. And I remember Isaiah Thomas, you know, saying, nobody that sees me on television is ever going to know who I really am. Um, there are an awful lot of folks in New York City uh, from his time as the GM of the New York Knicks, to think that part defines him. Right. Um, when he called out Larry Bird and said that if you know, know. That Larry Bird wasn't very good, those those moments, people have this perception of who Isaiah Thomas is. I don't know. Um, we're going to finish this segment. We'll be back on the other side to finish this conversation. You're listening to from the cheap seats. Thanks for hanging out. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American Patriots trying to make sports talk radio. Great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Robert Bricky, no Professor Trent Nichols. He's uh, out in Vegas. I okay. haven't gotten a panicked call from jail yet, so that's a good sign. We're going to be joined here shortly by congressional candidate here in North Carolina, District 6, Ryan Watts. And he's a UNC guy. So I'm interested. He's got my to, vote. You know, we'll get this this Grace and Allen thing out of the way. Well, hey, Before let, we do let me that, make though, one real quick point about sure. that. Look, people, I, I know as a Carolina fan, I'm supposed to hate Duke 
players and well, stuff like that. But, you know, Rashid Wallace got kicked out of a McDonald's All-American game, right? His attitude was awful. I guess my message with Grayson is, is you're not a Rashid Wallace. You know, when he was with the Trailblazers, he's probably one of the best players in the league, top five at least. My thing, my advice to Grayson is, man, get rid of all that. You're not even – you're good, he'll be an NBA player, but you're not that so good that you can get away with having an attitude like but, she. But why should your level of talent be licensed to be a bad guy? I think the problem with, with Grayson Allen – Robert, you, you know the guy personally. Say he's a good guy. There's no question about his competitive fire, his work ethic. And what gets lost in that conversation is that people see him and – they don't understand, I don't think, how athletically gifted he is. Right. He's he's not just a, a savvy basketball player that knows how to move around the floor. He's a talented kid. What he has to recognize is that, fair or not, all of us out here in America are making a judgment about who this guy is based on what we see in those moments of adversity that you talked about, Brandon. Rasheed Wallace... <laughs> That's a whole different animal. I mean, I, I'd I'd love to go see where he stands in the all-time list of technical fouls. I think he just picked up another tech a second ago. I don't know. But the thing with Grayson Allen is that he's so polarizing. People that don't even – people that have only ever heard about his exploits secondhand weigh in on this. And whether they appreciate his fire or think that he's, you know, a prima donna or whatever – ends up in the conversation and they're doing it on second and third hand information. In a perfect world, I guess it'd be great if everybody could sit down and have a meal with Grayson Allen and walk away and, and tell you what we think about him or if they could sit with him on, in, in church on Sunday or get to know the guy or whatever the case might be. But instead, we just throw out these, you know, these judgments. Well, and I will tell you this, that if I'm in a foxhole – Grayson Allen is just the kind of guy I want in there with me because he isn't going down without a fight. Well, I don't so know I if do you appreciate noticed, that about him. I don't know if you noticed after the game in the line when everybody's congratulating each other, good game, good game. Did you see the hug he gave Joel Berry and Pinson? Like, you know, those are all seniors, so they've been yeah, right down the road. Yeah. And you can tell they've probably hung out more than just a couple of times. Right. And there's a mutual respect. And Joel basically gave him a hug like, like we're boys. So, I mean – all that that you said, Robert, because you do know him personally, I think it's 100% true. I think he could do himself some favors by just not, you know, cutting out right. all, all these other antics, you know? I agree. And I think you said it a little earlier. They're all kids. They're 18 to 22-year-olds. They all have some maturing to do. Joe Barry punches the wall yeah. and breaks his hand. That's Which a, is more character-defining? The, you know, the fact that this guy flops and reaches out or, you know, guy punches a wall over something is, is – Yes, we. The problem is the magnifying glass is so intense on these kids now with media and social media and, and the explosion of media that everybody in the world can make a judgment about a kid over, like you say, one brief five second incident. And then now you can label the kid one way or another. Well, I think it's the power of K. It's kind of twofold. I was telling Chris this over the weekend. The power of K, only K could have wrote, you know, because it was on ESPN. It was on national media about how he was tripping players and he's got a problem and he's got to go to do anger management. K 
reeled all that back in because of his reputation. But on the flip side, I have to be honest. If he's not on Duke, does anybody even pay attention to it? You know, because Duke is that program. Well, of course, Duke's probably the most hated program in the country. So, I mean, is that a fair assessment? I'd say so. And and for a lot of different reasons. And part of it, part of it obviously, is their success. Part of it is Coach K, who who goes out in the world with a certain smugness. But the other piece of it is the types of players that have cycled through there all the way back to Christian Leitner. Leitner you know, ruined Nobody else has a 30 for 30 about how much America hates Christian Leitner. Leitner ruined it for future Duke well, players. And, and it, it just is what it is. But you're right. If it was anywhere else in America, would it have been under the, the same magnifying glass? Probably not. I mean, if it Probably, was, it there would, are a half dozen other programs where it might have been, where it might have been a big deal, but nothing like. I mean, this was the perfect storm. If it was Purdue, you would never hear no, about it. No, 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 no. But it was no. the perfect storm. You had a guy who, you know, had all this success early on. He was a big guy in the spotlight. At you know, I, you're cringing every time I say this, but at the most hated program in the country, and you're giving America a villain. And we've already seen how ESPN and the rest of the networks manipulate and create these stories. What better story to have? You know, this year they've turned Trey Young into a legitimate Wooden Award finalist. He's probably going to win the thing. And it's on the backs of those guys in Connecticut who decided this is our story. Last year, Grayson Allen was the story. You know, we've gone through and we've, we've pointed out this DeAndre Ayton thing, somebody go back and roll the tape from two weeks ago, and we told you guys, Sean Miller was a dead man walking. Now it comes out, the FBI says, we got you on wiretap talking about paying $100,000. And what's Sean Miller say? I didn't do it. Wasn't me. Yeah, we got some sound for you later. But it wasn't you know, me. So I'll tell you what, though. If Trey, if Trey Young wins that award, we are, as fans or media, are absolutely blind. Because, I mean, I can tell you right now, Carson Edwards would take his lunch straight up from Purdue. I don't know if you've seen a lot of this kid. I'm falling in love with his game. There are half a dozen point guards out there in my eyes that are better ball players. Not translates to the NBA better because Trey Young, in my eyes, does not translate. Carson Edwards, you got Deontay Graham out there at, at Kansas. Um, you've got half a dozen of these guys that I like better. If I'm putting together a college basketball team, I want that guy running the point. But because he hoists up jumpers from 37 feet, which sort of fits with the YouTube generation and what they right. think is cool and what they think is great, ESPN jumped on, and they're like, these kids love Trey Young. He's our guy, and we're going to ride that horse. <laughs> How bad down with the ship has ESPN gone with uh, Oklahoma? It, like they're bad. still trying and to keep them. They're still trying to puff them up and and talk about how I heard them say yesterday on an ESPN broadcast that there may be ninety percent of the Big Twelve teams get into the tournament. And I'm telling you, the only reason they're doing that's because that would include Oklahoma. Oklahoma may get in. Oklahoma's going to get bounced very early, and the Trey Young ship will have. You got to learn ESPN. You got to got to learn when to cut bait. Like, the fact that you're not talking about Bagley on every segment is criminal. Well, I'll ask Robert Bricky because he is an old coach. And I do have to tell our loyal listeners, it's a sad day. We had a segment, a prank, lined up. But since then, we found out Robert Bricky did not coach 
at the North Carolina School of Math and Science. It was fake news. I am disappointed. It was fake news. <laughs> and it shows that you should not – you should triple verify – your sources when they come from somebody into a bar. When you're but they in were a, adamant that it was a true story. When you're in a microbrewery, that's not where you should get your news. <laughs> it's probably not. But I want to ask Robert Bricky, as a coach and a player who's played at the highest levels, tell me what you feel like is is in Trey Young's future. Wow, he's got obviously he's got some skill, and I think. The exciting thing is, just like we talked about, the evolution of the game and how the three-point shot has has really come around. He can make deep threes. He's Steph Curry-like in that. But I watched him play two or three times. He'd be a hard kid to coach because he, he makes a lot of bad decisions. He turns the ball over. He's got no interest in defense. And so I, was a, I watched him hoist. 30-something shots in the game, and and a lot of them were bad shots. Well, honestly, even if he was interested in defense, how could he guard any any guard in the NBA if oh, he tried? No. People have no idea how fast point guards are in the NBA. And if you can't defend the guy, you get exposed very quickly. Well, the other piece of it, too, is in this day and age in the NBA, we've become accustomed to the offense – it being point guard driven, right. you've got Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, all of these scoring point guards that are out there, and that's kind of what these kids are looking at. And we forgot how important distributing the ball is. And I don't want to hear that Trey Young leads the NCAA in assists. Great, right. he plays forty minutes a night, and he will penetrate. He is fearless, but so many times down the floor, you can see it. It's palpable that the rest of the Oklahoma uh, the Oklahoma City. The rest of the Oklahoma Sooner ball club is like this guy. Right. And they're just standing around watching him. And when that happens, you've got one on five, and that's not going to end well. And I think it's proven by what's happened over the course of the year. This guy was like a, a, a I don't know, almost a carnival act the first ten, six to ten, ten, ten games, games of the, of the season. season. People got wise to it, and simultaneously, it hasn't been a game plan people have employed. They just it's started. been the fact that everybody around him is like, go ahead and do your thing, dude. Right. Yeah, go they ahead. gave up. And uh, it's not a recipe for success. I look at this guy. I'm going to be very interested to get a real height on him when it comes time for the NBA draft because I think he's about 5'11". Mm-hmm. And people talk, well, Curry, Curry, Curry. Well, Curry's not 5'11". Curry's about 6'2". He's at least 6'3". So, so that's a different small. animal. Yeah. They got Trey Young listed at 6'2", 180. That's, that yeah. cannot be true. And if it is, I'll eat my hat, but I just don't believe that to be true. Before we end the segment, I want to talk about this. We're gonna, we'll talk about it over and over again. April 28th at the Bob E. Hale Center in downtown Sanford. People know it as the Armory. We're playing dodgeball to raise money for Alzheimer's research. All ages, all skill levels. In advance, it's $50 per team. Six-man teams, that's 50 bucks per team, not 50 bucks per person. Don't get confused. Buffalo Wild Wings will be there with food. There'll be drinks. There'll be music. It'll be a great time. Come on out. Every nickel we raise goes to Alzheimer's Research. You can find more out about that at Cheap Seat Radio on Facebook. Check us out. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. All right, somebody get the fire marshal on the phone. I need to know what maximum capacity in here is. We've got to be close or were at some point. we got a full house. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Robert Bricky, Diamond Dave Kaplan is in the building, and we are joined by congressional candidate Ryan Watts. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, we made fun of Robert earlier and said he was cherry-picking the days that he would show up on the show because – he shows up when Duke wins. You, on the other hand, are a UNC alum, and you probably picked the worst Monday ever. But we've gotten most of it out of our system in the first half hour, so I don't think we're going to torture you too much. But I want, before we do anything else, I want to know what your thoughts on this weekend's ball game are. I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised. Uh, going into Cameron on senior night's always a pretty tough thing to do, but uh, we got one, and maybe we'll have a uh, a rubber match in the ACC tournament. Who knows? All right, and we'll see what happens there. That's kind of hopeful. That's kind of hopeful, but it is absolutely a possibility. And this is a binary choice here: Grayson Allen, good guy, the devil. <laughs> It's a little uh, extreme. Well, you know, like they say that college is all about growth, so I think he started towards the devil end of the spectrum. But I think we've seen some growth. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I, I think the fact that he's just still out there contributing after all the trials and tribulations he's been through through the last two years speaks a lot for the guy. But I'm Aww. not blind as to why he is the villain, whether that's been created by ESPN or not. But, Ryan, a couple minutes, you, as far as congressional candidates go, and I've known a lot in my life, have to be the youngest. I would be the youngest elected since JFK. Wow. I've done nothing with my life. (laughs) (laughs) You would be the youngest. I want to make sure. Wait, just a second. I want to make sure I understood that correctly. If elected to Congress, you would be the the youngest representative since JFK. 
Yeah, I would be joining a very small group of about 30-year-olds that uh, have been elected to federal office. All right. So how old are you? 28. All right, 28. That's what Robert and I were talking about off-air, what we were doing at 28. We we can't (laughs) mention those things on the air. I'm going to tell you what. I was doing some cool stuff, but I would not want—I would not have wanted anyone to have trusted me with an important decision that right. affected more than about six people at that age. But that's awesome. So this—it has to be a long, thought-out process running for Congress because it's quite a commitment. It is. Now you work doing what? So I'm a senior consultant. I. I work for Deloitte Consulting. It's an international consulting firm. Uh, I've worked in 30 states and I help companies think about the problems that they have right now, but also help them think about the problems of the future. And so, you know, especially in the age of technology and automation and all the all the changing economy that we have going on, a lot of companies are having to make decisions. And so often that'll mean that workers have to learn new skills and things like that. And so a lot of what teams that I help lead do is actually do the retraining of the workers. And so traveling all across those 30 states and retraining thousands of workers and making, helping executives make decisions about how they're going to help their people get through these changing times. And at what point did you look at all that, which sounds complicated. At what point did you step back and say, you know what? I really for the next year and a half of my life would like nothing better than to have to go raise money and make it to a million events and suffer through interviews with knuckleheads like me, because that sounds like a lot of fun. Is well, this, this is fun. Been, well, this is oh, fun. good. Yeah. Good. I appreciate that. Well, I think, you know, I know there's differing opinions on this, but I think the vast majority of us, when we look at the the teenagers in Parkland, Florida, and uh, are, are looking around at the passion people have for the future of this country. I didn't feel like I could stand on the sidelines when I felt like I could help make a difference. And so I said, okay, you know, we, we, we certainly researched it. We figured out what would it need to, to be successful with this. We didn't go into it half-heartedly and we said, let's, let's go for it because people are looking for something new. I think we're kind of tired of the fact that Congress right now is the oldest on average it's ever been. And so with that being said, I think that's why we have the momentum that we have. Interesting. Now you talk a lot in the things that I've read about you about the divisiveness of party politics as it stands right now. Yeah. And one of the one of the issues that's at the forefront of everybody's minds right now is the school shootings. Yep. And when you sit down with rational human beings and you have a conversation about that, even with free thinking people who are open to ideas that are gonna that, that may help the situation, it's very complicated. And here in a state like North Carolina, Democrat or Republican. Most of us are, if you had to put us on the spectrum, are pro-Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. So that is a layer of of complication when it comes to trying to put together policy that would push our nation forward into an environment that is safer for our kids to go to school. How do you navigate that minefield? Well, first of all, I I think one of the questions I get all the time is about the launch video that we put out. 
And nowhere in that launch video did I mention what party I'm affiliated with. And that was intentional because when we say Republican or when we say Democrat or any other liberal conservative type of term, people immediately kind of put you in a box. And I didn't want to be put in a box. I know a lot of people would prefer the opportunity to define themselves. And that's what I feel like we've tried to do. Now, with that said, I own multiple guns. I have a concealed carry weapons permit. So the idea that Democrats can't also be pro Second Amendment, I don't, I don't think is true. Uh, what I think is true is that over 90% of Americans agree that universal background, background checks should be a thing. Uh, the vast majority of Americans agree that law enforcement should be empowered to not just in these mass shooting situations, but also when there's a crisis at home, domestic abuse, when there's someone contemplating suicide, that law enforcement should at least be able to temporarily remove weapons from those individuals. I think that we're not going to fully solve this problem, but I think there's a lot of real easy layups, so to speak, uh, things that we can do that would, would ease this problem and save lives. Fair enough. Guys, do you have any questions before we kind of pivot into sports a little bit? And we'll make our way back into politics as we move through this. I've got a question for you. Sure. You're a young guy, and when people look at you. I look younger. You look younger. <laughs> so how do you get older established voters to vote for you and how do you move the younger generation to get out and vote and make this a priority for you well it's it's funny because that was the question we had was how will the older voters feel about someone like me and at first i did get described a lot as oh who's this who's this kid Who's this kid running for Congress? And, but as people have heard our message, as I've met people, uh, you know, I don't really think of myself as a 28 year old. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily carry myself as a 28 year old. Maybe I do sometimes. I don't know. At a game like Saturday night, I probably acted like a <laughs> like a we 22 year old. Yeah, but. Uh, that question has actually turned into a huge positive in a lot of people's minds because a lot of people are frustrated by seeing, you know, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, you know, they're already talking about whether they're going to run for president again in 2020. And people really don't want the same thing. People know that we need to start turning the page and that we need new leadership. So I think that has turned into a positive. Um, and your second, your second part of your question was... How do you get the young voters to come out and support you? And, I knew there was something important and there. First of all, vote. Yeah. But then take a look at the real issues that, that you represent. Young people are notorious for being apathetic and being and not showing up to vote. And young people are also overwhelmingly more liberal than they are conservative, at least socially. Uh, and so Parkland, as I brought up before, has really been an interesting situation because the active, young activist community has started to really fire up. And I don't know if that will manifest itself this year, but I know it's going to have huge implications in 2020 for sure. Isn't this the, the problem with the young activists associated with things like Parkland? Is that, yes, it's motivated people to get out there. And on this issue, there may be even conservatives like Diamond Dave and I. 
who look at that and we're like, we can relate to what you're talking about, but it's the rest of the agenda that comes with. Because when you throw out and you're looking at the, the loudest voices to do something about guns, you're also listening to the loudest voices about, you know, raising minimum wage and, and you know, all the rest of these agenda things from the left. And the important part of the message might get lost. So you have to be careful, I would say, to, to attach yourself to one particular piece of that agenda because Republican, Democrat, Independent – you know, most of America is closer to the center than we'd like to believe a lot of times. I think I think that's right. And I think that one of the worst things that has happened in American politics has been an outcome of our primary system. Because if you don't show up and vote in primaries, then only the really passionate people on either end of the spectrum show up. And that means you end up with the more extreme candidates, which most of America has a harder time identifying with. So if we show up in primaries, we'll get people that better represent the majority of Americans, but that's where we that's how we are where we are is because we don't show up and vote in primaries and then people don't show up and vote in general elections because they see candidates that that don't relate to either of them. I mean, and we've exactly. had that conversation a million times about the primary system and it driving those candidates because they have to raise their money. They have to count on that vote to turn out. And my message to anybody that's listening in any context, regardless of where you lean on the political spectrum, you have to participate in the primary system. Yes. Because Ryan just hit it out of the park. You end up with these candidates from the fringes because they're the ones that can rally the support. And we saw it in the Republican race for president last cycle that one by one, your centrist candidates could not sustain their their campaigns, and they just picked one another off. And by the time you got to the end of it, you basically were sitting with Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, and a lot of Republicans were looking at that and looking at the initial field, and they're like, how could that have happened? Right. And it's just been interesting. Well, I, I will just throw a caveat and say that uh, – I don't think Hillary Clinton was more on the fringe than Bernie Sanders was. So that there are exceptions to the rule, but in general, especially in smaller races, state house, state senate and and for United States house as now, well. Now the cynic in me would tell me that the Democratic primary was over before it ever got started, but I that's just me <laughs> picking at you. Yeah. You can go down a rabbit hole on that one. For you're sure. you're <laughs> listening to from the cheap seats on WDCC. We got 15 minutes left with WDCC here locally. You're listening also, or perhaps, on the WBLZ Sports Network. And if you're listening on terrestrial radio, follow us over to the internet on iTunes. You can find us in the iTunes or the Apple iPod app. That's a mouthful. Now, Ryan, among other things, and you can stick around as long as you like, you'll be playing dodgeball with us. So we'll talk about that on the next on the uh, next segment. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, 
Would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting in photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins. Robert Bricky, congressional candidate Brian Watts, Diamond Dave Kaplan's going to chime in with some golf, and I'm tell you, Robert, you and I listened to the play-by-play of the Mexican announcers for the World Championship of Golf Mexico this past weekend, and I think your statement was right on. Uh, it's way more exciting to hear the Mexican uh, version of the commentary than it is American. You don't even have to understand what they're saying. It just sounds great. They're more into it. They're passionate. And in America, we're a little more dull and boring. I know it's a gentleman's sport, but the broadcast of the, Ameri- of the Mexican uh, tournament was amazing. So you said, you said something interesting. You said, well, the Mexican version of that is just more fun. Aren't there other areas of life where you can say exactly the same thing? Oh, yeah. I wish he'd do, like, uh, grocery announcements in the grocery store when peaches go on sale. Well, have you, you ever, know. have you ever like, stopped over on Univision and watched Mexican soap oh, it's, operas it's, branded? It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Given the option between one of the, the Mexican soap operas, the, what do they call them, telenovelas, and – as there's, the world turns, there's I'm going, lots. I'm going the Univision route right. every single time. There's lots of benefits to watching Mexican soap operas. <laughs> Just go to El Mocajete. You can't even focus on your food. Some pretty good-looking women on where those are some, shows. Where is it? Well, you said restaurant because that's another thing. Like beautiful women, that's like a universal language. You don't even have to know. You don't even want to know what they're saying, right? But um. <laughs> Today's caddishness brought to you by you got to work Brandon it in Atkins. at some point in time. I baited him; it didn't take long. Well, no, you know, think about it. it's like think about soccer. If you're watching a soccer game, um, someone doing a soccer game in Espanol is awesome. Someone doing it in like a you know European accent is awesome. I'm a big soccer fan. I can't listen to like a Le- Lexi Lawless do a game. It just puts me to sleep. This is a true story. This weekend, I turned over to MLS. Atlanta United, I don't even remember who they were playing. I didn't watch that long. But this particular broadcast was in Spanish. And early on in the broadcast, they came on, and it was the English announcers. And they're like, hey, check us out. Press the SAP button if you want to listen to the English version. And I was like, well, that's the opposite. That's pretty cool. So I flipped over, 
And I listened to the the English-only broadcast for about 15 seconds. I was like, nah, going back to the Spanish announcer. Okay. And got there just in time for the first goal of the game, about four and a half minutes in. And I was like, thank you, universe. By the way. You were looking after me because that was a lot more fun. Congrats to Messi. He scored his 600th goal. Jeez. So, guy's well, pretty good. And Ronaldo got his 300th La Liga goal this past weekend and is now second only to Messi. We really – I don't know – Soccer still just doesn't have that foothold where it's grabbed America's consciousness. But these are legitimately two of the greatest players to ever kick a ball. Oh, yeah. And, man, if you can't appreciate that kind of greatness when you see Messi play, yeah, I just don't know what to tell you. You're definitely not ever going to be a soccer guy or girl because that guy is a next-level athlete. Absolutely. <laughs> see? See? That kind of come to an abrupt halt. So – the Big Ten tournament was this weekend, and everybody's jumped on the bandwagon now. Any of you basketball nerds out there who thought, well, coming in, I'm looking for a dark horse out there, Michigan. Michigan's athletic. They're long. They've got good guard play. They're starting to heat up. That could be my squad. Well, guess what? You're out of luck because now they're everybody's squad. Right. They managed to get past Purdue in the Big Ten championship game this weekend, and we were talking, you as the season have gone on, Trent and I actually talked a lot about Purdue mm-hmm. and said, watch this team. Purdue is something else. You have jumped on the bandwagon now, sir. Well, I mean, they have probably one of the best point guards in the country that nobody's talking about um, in Carson Edwards. He, like, he, I think he ended up with, like, 27 points going in, like, almost single-handedly wins these games. And I think... I, I want to look. I think he's six one, but he's built like he's two hundred pounds. And you think, well, surely he can't get up to the rim until you watch him play. And he's straight up yoking on fools as soon as he gets into the lane. So he can straight up yoking straight on fools. <laughs> yoking on fools. So you know, I mean, but he's got he can hit the three. He's got the mid range. He can get the offense started. So I mean. I guess from afar, I was watching Purdue because you guys are big. You're a big Big Ten guy, sure. Um, but I'm really impressed with him and guard play. NCAA tournaments all about guard play, uh, or it has been for the last 15 years. So um, I think I think it's fair to say that you know in the modern era, guard play is what makes teams in the tournament. Uh, didn't Jason Williams proclaim that Purdue would win the national championship? Yeah. He did. He That's did. A big statement. Well, it is a big statement, but Purdue, I think, is in that top eight or nine teams in the mix as a potential national champion. Michigan, for the second straight year, took what was an otherwise pretty good team and has won the Big Ten championship, though, which is interesting. But my question, Brick, why does the Big Ten do this week before everybody else? You played Division One basketball. Is it really wise – to play your final game and then sit around for a week and a half before the NCAA tournament starts? I think that can go either way. Um, this time of year, a lot of guys are banged up. That gives you a week to let them recover, rest. You get a chance to do some scouting on your opponents. Uh, it could go either way. Now, I, I think, way to, way to sorry, take a stand there's, there. <laughs> there's, <laughs> you, I do like the fact that when you play – the week before the first round of the tournament, you have momentum. I do like that. But I could see rest as being a key factor for some teams. Fair enough. Isn't it kind of interesting that Jim Delaney, the commissioner of the Big Ten, had to kind of 
come out and say this is just a one-year thing because we wanted to play in Madison Square Garden so badly and it was like the coaches were mad that they had to play a week early well well, my question too is you've got something like the Big Ten tournament which is drawn from you know some major metropolitan areas you've got plenty of places to choose from in the Big Ten footprint why do they feel the need to play at MSG I, I have no idea Travel-wise, it's a nightmare. That's my point. Getting your team in the city, moving around the city, get to the arena, it's a nightmare. Why would you want to deal with that? I'm, I'm confused as to how much more revenue this could have possibly generated. Now, well, and, the fact that it was alone on the dial this weekend, not right. competing with the other tournaments, would be one thing. But I don't think most of America even realized it was going on. Right. I don't think they got too many passive viewers to it. Right, and – and why not give it to a city that really wants it? New York doesn't care about these conference they tournaments. Don't. If I was one of these, if I was one of the legislatures in one of these Big Ten states, I'd be irritated. You're talking about a lot of tourism dollars right. that can come into one of these cities, and it's not New York City or Madison Square Garden or anybody associated with it that's helped fund these public universities or build these arenas or any of the rest of that stuff. So I'd be annoyed because you're just like, yeah, we're going to send everybody out to New York. And like you said, it, it it may be nice for some of the fans who are like, well, I don't really want to go to Indianapolis or to Cincinnati or wherever else they might host this. But, uh, yeah, we're well, going to take a trip to New York. But the kids are the ones that are important here. And there are a lot of logistics wrapped up with that. Well, and I understand, you know, Bayheim trashes Greensboro for the ACC tournament all the time. I understand wanting to take your kids – this is a treat for them, you know. Right. Somewhere this is part of their experience playing on the team. Somewhere kind of cool for the tournament because you get to walk around, you do something. I actually don't even know what I'm talking about. How much free time do you get when you when you get not to much? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so maybe, that, maybe a team dinner. You get to go to some nice place, or maybe you have time to set up a tour of. Uh, I wouldn't imagine you do Statue of Liberty, but you you know maybe you get to see something, but. I don't think it's worth the investment. Like, I just – I wanted to go to the ACC tournament this year, but it's in Brooklyn. Who wants to go to Brooklyn? Like, I know he, he trashed Greensboro. I love Greensboro. First of all, you can move around freely. Uh, you get a good, good barbecue. It's easy to get in and out of hotel. I mean, it's – See, Robert and I, we've discussed purist. this. Like, yeah, yeah. we like we – we're not country boys, but we like kind of the easy living, easy yeah. to get around. There's plenty of good things to be had in Greensboro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, with at this point, with the way the ACC footprint has kind of evolved – New York City at least makes a little sense. A little, it does. It's, it's easier to justify. The Big Ten, come on, man. No you added Maryland and you added Rutgers, but you, you're playing in New York City, which isn't, you can't even create a map of the Big Ten that would include New York City. Right. You've got to do a better job of rewarding those cities because you can't tell me if they took it to any of the possible Big Ten sites or if they rotated amongst the schools and brought all that tourism into that city for a day, it seems to me like that would be the fair thing to do. Well, that's a good argument, too, about Brooklyn and the ACC. What does the ACC have other than Syracuse? I mean, I guess you could say Pitt, but then if you say Pitt, then you'd have to say Penn State for the Big Ten. Well, you got Boston College there, too. That's true. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Don't don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to justify it because it should be in Greensboro. Every single year, 
or that's Charlotte. That's part of ACC basketball. Right. So, you know, that's just my point. So, shame on you, Big Ten. Shame on you, ACC, too, by the way. And and uh, the fact that Beheim looks in this case as if he's throwing his weight around, go on and retire, dude. Hey, man, just, if you got an opinion, try to stay off the bubble. That's what I'm trying to say, Beheim. I like it. All right. WDCC listeners, we bid you adieu just long enough for you guys to go on over to the internet and uh, listen to the podcast version. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. We'll see you on the other side. WBLZ listeners, we're just going to keep on rolling. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back from the cheap seats. And before we go anywhere, I got to tell you, April 28th, the Bob E. Hale Center in downtown Sanford, North Carolina. Six-player teams going to play dodgeball. All the proceeds go to Alzheimer's Research. Um, we're going to cut a check on Monday after the event to Jonesboro Rotary Club, who will in turn donate every nickel of that to the Coins for Alzheimer's Research Trust. And during the break, I was thinking about it. Your opponent, Mark Walker, is a friend of mine. He's a good guy. And he's a life athletic dude. Wouldn't you agree, no, Dave? Bring him. Bring him. So here's my thing. Wouldn't it be a whole lot more fun than spending a year and a half campaigning if you guys just squared off and played dodgeball? If uh, if I'm allowed to recruit my team, okay, I would feel really good about our election chances if we settled it over dodgeball. Oh, oh, oh. A little smack talk. Oh. Wow. And I guess I have to ask, okay, so so you're trying to put together a team. I have an idea as to some of the people you're trying to bring in. Uh huh. I'd be interested to see how Mark could put his squad together. But if you guys squared up, if we went to the gym right now and played basketball against one another, would you stand a chance? He's a little bit taller than you, so I think you're he probably is. you're yeah. probably more young and spry. He's in good shape. Probably. He's <laughs> <laughs> look, but I'm, I I just want to know. Just want to know. Uh, you're right. He does have the uh, the length factor. Yes. Not by much, but. But okay. it's enough. Uh, 
but there's no chance he's quicker or faster than me. So here's an interesting athletic fact about myself. Oh, here we go. Uh, Uh I set, when I was in high school, I set the state record for triples in a season. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if that record still How many stands. triples did you hit? 12. 12 triples? So you year. got some wheels. Yeah. I can. I, people always like look at me and they're like, oh, you know, maybe he's got a little bit of athletics to him. But I can, I can See, move a little bit. Maybe not as much anymore. But that, I don't know. that to me is a huge problem because it means. He's 28 that, and he just dropped like he's old, Brick. Did you <laughs> hear that? See, I. Yeah, I know. Dude. <laughs> he needs to I go. heard that and all I heard was you couldn't hit the home run. I mean, oh, yeah, 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 that's wow. true. I'm a gap to gap guy. I'm okay. not. I'm not the uh, the power hitter. So you big baseball fan? Yeah. Uh, well, my, you just my lost grand... Brandon's vote then. Well, I'm not a big. Uh, I, I don't follow it as much, but I really like going to games. I love okay. going to see the Durham Bulls or the Grasshoppers. Uh, my grandfather worked for the Atlanta Braves and for Wilson Sporting Goods for a long time. So I grew up, you know, going down to Turner Field and. And, so and you, like you're still a Braves guy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. At the time, there was no Nationals, so. Got it. Atlanta was, and maybe still is, I guess, the team for, for most of us. I would say that's probably true. And then you take not just the geography of it, but you take the television with WTBS. Mm-hmm. By the time you came along as a young whippersnapper, baseball was on everywhere on the dial. As we yeah. grew up, TBS was it. You were going to see the Braves if you want to watch baseball. Right. And then WGN came along with the Cubs and. Chris, you're friends with Mark. Is he coming to play? Is Dave, it, we got to work that out. He's essentially been called out Kaplan, on the show. Kaplan's about to text him right now. So this has <laughs> got to happen. And we'll send him copy of the tape. We're in. And boom, we have one commitment. And that takes us, by the way, to 13 teams registered to play. We're trying to get to about 40. We'll do 100 if we turn that many people out. Brick, I know you're going to invoke the old knees exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, I'm going to need somebody to call me and discuss some player payments. Payer, player payments. I got the guy. I got the guy. Can we get Sean Miller on the phone? <laughs> Sean Miller's going to broker the deal for you that's to right. play. I, I, I need to be part of the FBI probe. <laughs> just, that's all I got now. I'm going <laughs> to. See, what I'm trying to do is generate some publicity for your event. Okay. I don't want to really want to play, but I just want to get more teams involved. All right. Well, if yeah. more people – there are plenty of people out there that don't want to play. In fact, Kaplan has yet to play. He's been sitting under waterfalls and things like that. If you don't want to play, here's what we will do. And you might be able to help with this because you're pretty well connected south of us. We have already had a handful of business and individual sponsors who have made it known they have no interest in being hit in the face with a ball. However, they have stepped up and sponsored youth teams. Right. So if you'd like to do that, we will do our doggondest to marry you up with a youth group from the Boys and Girls Club or one of these after-school programs and get those kids playing on your behalf. So if you're old and broke down, <laughs> looking at you, Bricky. And I am. You still can contribute, empower these kids to have a good time, and go out there and go take that beat down on Robert, your behalf. Robert, I'm be- <laughs> You don't want to play. Is it because you're worried you might make it to the Final Four and get bumped off? Oh, snap. <laughs> you know what? I have no lateral movement anymore. Well, here's I, – I, in, in Bricky's defense, though, here's what we have found in the events that we have sponsored, and this is not how we thought it would be. 
Ryan has been has been saying that he wants to play on a team with Cameron Sharp. Cameron, as many of you know that have been following us on social media, I officially called him out. Cameron's a heck of an athlete. Right. Cameron's a very big guy, though. Here's the problem. The bigger you are, the bigger the target. Right. What you need is a couple of six-year-olds on your team that bounce around and have limitless energy. You can't hit them. And it always goes the same way, does it not, Brandon? You've got these little six-year-olds out there, and initially you're like lobbing the ball at them, mm-hmm. trying to trying to be nice. And eventually, then you're just winging it, trying to get these kids. And every once in a while, it magically aligns. And we actually have video from the last tournament. I don't want to scare anybody off, but there was a little kid out there that was about six years old, child of a friend, actually grandchild of a friend of mine that played. And this young kid got popped right in the head. And we have video. His feet just went directly up into the air. Well, and and it, the entire building like came scrambling down to make sure he's all right. And he kind of got up and dusted himself well, was, off and was like, ooh, he got the me. The funny part <laughs> of it was my daughter took this video. Yes. And it looks like it's Crystal Lambert giving it everything he's got. <laughs> and he was. But it was somebody else's ball. But it looks like Chris rocks this kid right, right. off his feet. It's so funny. Are you the defending champion? No. We are okay. the, we are the inaugural champion. Okay. Brandon and I played on a team with some very, very high-powered young men. He's about to break out the Stein. That's our. That's the trophy oh. that everybody's playing for. <laughs> and we won the inaugural tournament. Now, in the second go-round, Brandon had to bail and go do responsible adult things. It was and like- left me to my own devices. And we got into the semifinals – but Ken Britton and his YMCA Warriors, it was, it they was, managed to slip by us. And we call we call them the Houston Rockets because when Jordan left to play baseball for a couple right. of years, that's when he got his ring. Okay, <laughs> so I guess he's you. saying that I'm the Pippin to his Jordan. I've kind of I got that backwards, but yeah, that's what to Ken Britton. You guys are the Houston Rockets. You got to come meet the full squad in the finals. Unless you want your your championship to be tainted, maybe we can get Brick to coach our team. There you go, Coach Brick. I'd be happy to do. All right, that. see, we're building coalitions. Now, we've got to have practice. We're and building we a team. Dodge a wrench. <laughs> practice. <laughs> That's right. Because if we can dodge a wrench, yeah, yeah. Dodge dodge a wrench. practice. We'll practice. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it now. God, I wish that story about you coaching the girls' team at, at the North Carolina School of Math and Science was was correct. That really yeah. hurts my soul. That was that was a nice setup, though. Oh, we were man, so man. excited I about know. dropping that, and nobody else would have been as excited and thought it was as funny as you and I. But I guess that's when you when you do a show and we, we get to do whatever we want to. It's right. kind of cool. Again, <sighs> don't take your news in in bars. Okay, that shouldn't be your primary news source. Yeah, if your sources come from bars, it's probably bad. By the way, news. the guy who told us is a season ticket holder for the, the Tar Heels. Really? So. Just I think know he was that just trying to set you up. Just know that there's someone spreading that rumor about you right now as we speak. <laughs> well, I've heard, I've heard worse. <laughs> so, Ryan, oh, by the way, uh, this Stein. Another benefit, uh, Robert, is that we took that Stein right after the tournament right over to Libations, and, and they would filled. fill these up for us. Yes. Wow. And that and same thing will be going on. So you've got Yarborough's right across the street if you want to go get your ice cream fix. Libations is right there. There will be a DJ on site. It's going to be a great day. We'll have a lot of fun. Again, every nickel goes to uh, to support support 
Alzheimer's research. Now, last week we announced that we were going to do a bracket challenge. We decided we're not going to put one on on our own, in part because we're a little lazy. But two, Kiwanis here in Lee County already does a big one. So we figured it'd be more effective just to jump in. And three of the people sitting here within eyeshot are members anyway. So here's how this works. $25 per bracket. You can enter as many brackets as you care to. Half of the proceeds collected is split amongst the winners. The rest of it goes to Terrific Kids, Terrific Kids, which is a Kiwanis charity. So if you're out there in Radio Land, we are going to take these brackets from Kiwanis and we will set them on the bar at Libations. If you want one emailed to you, email us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. Cheapseatradio at gmail.com. We'll coordinate payment. We'll make sure that you get entered on time. But get up with us and we will crown. That's what we'll add to this is not just being the recipient of a significant amount of money from Kiwanis. We will also give you the title of From the Cheap Seats Bracket Champion. What more could you ask for? 25 bucks. You're going to play brackets anyway. You might as well have some skin in the game and help some raise some, raise some money for a good crowd, or a good cause, rather. Um, Ryan Watts, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you, guys. And is there anything you want to touch on before you get from in front of that microphone? Yeah, I, I think, you know, forget the, the letter beside the name, forget the colors beside the school. You know, one of the worst things that's going on right now in this country is that we are just trying to knock the other side down all the time. It's, it's awful. And I often say I'm like the point guard on a basketball team. My role in running for Congress is to play point guard. I'm not going to score all the points. I'm not trying to score all the points. Uh, I'm not going to get all the rebounds, but I'm going to make a lot of assists. And I think that, you know, we have some leaders in Washington that don't practice what they preach. And we need some folks who are going to go up there and play the team role for the people that they represent. And so I hope that people listening will look at that more than they look at the the letter, the D, the R, the I, whatever, beside the name. Because our, our country is in, in a bad spot. And uh, But when we work together on teams, we can do better. All those sports analogies rolled up into beautiful. one stump Bam. speech. That was beautiful. I am going to bring all the resources I have to bear and that primarily consists of Dave Kaplan here, to get Mark Walker to this event. Come on out. You can play. You can throw balls at me. You can throw balls at Brandon. Kaplan, we're going to have to bring your jersey out of the rafters. Ryan Watts says he's going to be there. Bricky's going to be there as a coach. One last thing that I didn't mention. We talked about primaries earlier. Yes. Show up and vote in primaries. There's primaries here in Lee County for a variety of things. Vote Early voting starts April 19th. And if you want to learn more about our campaign, certainly check us out on Facebook or Twitter, Watts for Congress, and also our website, wattsforcongress.com. All right. Watts for Congress. If you Google that, it'll take you to some platform. Something or another. And uh, <laughs> some interesting reading out there about young Mr. Watts. We wish you the best of luck. And Thank you can you. come on back anytime you want to and we'll talk more about your state record for triples i am going to dig in and see if that's still a thing so we'll have that for you fact check definitely can't have any <laughs> fake news around these parts can we that's right no brandon 
Close us down. I I have a state record for laid down bunts. <laughs> <laughs> I've never brought it up before. I didn't I didn't know that about you, man. I was a terrible bunner, so good for you. Yeah. All right, we'll see you on the other side, WBLZ. You're listening to the podcast. However you're doing this, we appreciate you hanging out. we got 45 minutes to go, not the least of which is trivia. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Robert Bricky, Ryan Watts has left the building. We appreciate him coming in, being a good sport, hanging out with us. And I did not know, leading into this, that he actually was an accomplished athlete. I also didn't know he was quite a trash talker that way because he called out Congressman Mark Walker. No, I'm, I'm, I'm playing that up a little bit. But how much fun would it be if we could get them out there? Diamond Dave, you have a pretty tight relationship with some folks around the Walker camp we'll see I, I guarantee you he'd put a team in yep now whether or not he'd actually be there uh or he might make an appearance whether, I'm just whether or not he'd actually pull up i'm wondering if he comes down for it he, he could put like a secret service detail together i know yeah wow. you know he was on the baseball team i know during he was. The, that's, during that's the crazy he was actually on the field right that was so, bananas I mean, he is that, he's an athletic guy well wow. yeah yeah, I, you know, I saw that Ryan sort of backed off the whole basketball thing because yeah. Mark's a tall, long guy. He said a little bit taller. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't I, know. You know, Mark's a. I'm not. I'm not a short. He's probably guy, six three. I was going to say six three, six four. Right. And 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 you can't ever, Robert. I'm sure you can agree. You can't ever underestimate the import or overestimate the importance of age and treachery. Oh God, no. <laughs> I'm a living testimony. I have, <laughs> I have bought into the old man workout now, so I've got nothing to compete for. So I've age is dealing with me on a daily basis. Now, what I didn't know before the other day is that you actually—I I would say—wear glasses, but that's probably not an accurate assessment. True. So you decided. I want to make sure that I have my details correct here. You decided that you would not go get fitted for glasses until you turned 50. Well, I don't need glasses. I need readers. So I did go out and buy a set of readers. I have not used them yet. Because <laughs> that's the that's the breaking point. That's when you're yeah. officially old, yeah, right? I, I, I'm the same thing. Yeah, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it yet. Just my, accept the headache, right? Well, my wife is bad read. about that because just, we'll just be driving read. somewhere or looking at something, and she's like, God, I need glasses. And I'm like, you have glasses. Oh, yeah, I do. And <laughs> she doesn't even know where they're at. So vanity is something serious. Oh, yeah. No doubt. What you I'm got not on worried golf? so much about glasses. It's a hearing device that is the part that What's I'm that? scared of. See, there <laughs> we go. There we hey? go. 
Diamond Dave, you have been sitting by patiently. Let's listen to this. It's Justin Thomas, Ojo 18, frente a la galería, última ronda. Ahí está el swing, el estadounidense, que bien picó esa bola, viene para abajo, para abajo, para abajo, sí, adentro, Justin, 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 lo hizo, lo hizo, magia pura, en el club de Golcho Pultepec, última ronda, Justin Thomas, Eagle, esto lo puede hacer campeón, esto lo puede coronar, sí, vaya swing, qué manera de cerrar, qué manera de rematar una ronda final. And there you have... The Spanish language call of Justin Justin Thomas holding out from 157. Oh, well, wait a second. We got another one. We're, we're going to have to stop. <laughs> it's out of control. On 18, um, came in, needed to get to 16 under to have a shot. Right. And, and he held out. I think it was 119 yards. 119 yards. It was a little yards. wedge, spun it back. It was a beautiful shot. I think we might have gotten cussed out right there. I'm glad we're in the second hour. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, quite a call. I, I ran across that uh, just kind of looking at highlights, and I, I was like, wait, wait a second, who's that? And uh, and then I started listening to it, and I was like, that's awesome. That's I know, the way I, golf needs to be called. That's the kind of energy we've got to bring to the game. Brandon, you right. and I, we should start dropping resumes because we could have a real fun with that. It would be awesome. I think, I think that golf in the U.S., that's the next frontier. I think we need a little more happy Gilmore in our golf. Are you talking Absolutely. in the calls? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, you bring that out to uh, the Masters. Oh, my gosh. Whew. I mean, all the action that goes on there, and uh, who knows? I, I doubt they'll take that. Um, maybe it, it might find its way into, like, a PGA championship or a tour championship. That would be pretty cool to have the Spanish Dude, call. I'm sure the Spanish call out you, there. You've got it all up. messed up. What needs to happen is it needs to be part of the Ryder Cup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. That would be amazing. Yeah. And what better to bring America together than to have a Spanish language broadcast? You could do it simultaneously with the SAP button. That would Mexico be Mexico awesome. doesn't get to play in it, but we could, you know, there's Mexican Americans that sure can, my point. can uh, announce that way. That's my point. That'd be amazing. But it was pretty cool. Justin Thomas just won last week, uh, holds out to give himself a chance. But here's the cooler thing about Justin Thomas he was even par going into the weekend. Remember, 16 under. Got into the playoff. He shoots 62 course record, breaks uh, Jordan Spieth's course record there in at uh, in Mexico City. Who's Jordan Spieth? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll we can talk about that for a while. But uh, he finished okay. He finished kind of middle of the pack of a uh, you know elite field being a World Golf Championship. But uh, uh, then he shoot, follows the 62 up with a 64, and you don't see that often at all. Typically, you shoot a 62, the next day is just ho hum. You know, try to break par type scenario. And got himself to have a chance, but Lefty broke his heart. Lefty uh, made a long putt for 16 right after Jordan. I mean, Justin uh, holed out on 18 to, to get to 16 under. Parred the last two holes. And uh, uh, Justin Thomas hits a 161-yard 17, par 317. Justin Thomas hits a gap wedge. 161 yards. Little breath behind him. And I think he's thinking, I do not want to go long. So he hits the gap wedge and keeps it a little right of the hole. The hole was kind of tucked left, a little water left, and blows it over the green with a gap wedge. He hit that thing 170 yards. Lefty hits it up there, 20 feet, two putts. Almost made it, curled around the back edge. And uh, that is his 43rd win for the 46-year-old Phil Mickelson. So now, pretty cool we've victory. talked a lot about whether Tiger can make it back 
before the majors start this year. Right. But lost in that is Lefty. Yeah, four and a half wins since his four and a half years since his last win. Yeah, pretty impressive. And what did he right. say he wanted to do before Augusta? Oh, if you if you listen to him being interviewed all season long, he says, "I want to get one win under my belt before going into Augusta." So he's going to feel confident. You know, he's won there three times. He's going to feel very confident. Um, I, and I think personally, it's more motivation to Tiger. I think it's the best case scenario for for Lefty to win. Um, this week on a, on a big stage, a lot of eyes watching. I think it's a, a great scenario for golf. I think it's going to fire Tiger up. It's going to put more eyes on the second most popular golfer out there in, in Lefty. And you could tell that crowd in Mexico City, they know who Lefty is, and they were cheering him on strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, they love the hole out on 18 from Justin Thomas. Sure. But in that playoff, uh, as long, it only went one hole. That's the eighth playoff in 18 events for this particular year the sixth in 2018 since uh, the first of the year a lot of playoffs going on which makes golf exciting as well bay hill in a couple weeks tiger will be back that's tiger all tiger back. how do you think it, how do you expect him to finish he's, he's won there eight times uh and, you know he he likes to play those courses like firestone uh tory pines bay hill where he has tremendous success augusta you know he he, he has finished top ten in Augusta when he had no resemblance of a game. So I think that gives Tiger a chance going into the Masters regardless. I, I mean, I'll, I'll lay money on He's going to finish top ten in, 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 uh, in Augusta right now. I mean, I'll tell you that. Tiger will. And I think Lefty is too, given the success he's having and how he's feeling about his game. So you throw two of them, and then you throw Dustin Johnson and, and Jordan Spieth and Who's maybe Jordan Justin Spieth? Thomas. <laughs> is that your new line? Jordan will play well there. Uh, and you throw those names up there with a couple odd names in the mix and some 50, you know, somebody like a Stricker or somebody who's over 50 always plays well. I just wonder about this guy Jordan Spieth because I remember hearing all this stuff about him and – Where's he? Is he on vacation? What's mo- going on? He's more overrated than a four hundred dollar bus ride to New York City. <laughs> Woo. He can't. He That's can't. That's the most inside of all the inside jokes. That six but, to ten foot putt is not falling. Exactly. So he's got. He's got to get that putt to fall. But you're you're okay with the way he's striking the ball right now? Yeah, I mean he's always been for as short as he is off the tee, which. I mean, he blow it by us, so let's get that straight. But as short as he is off the tee, he's kind of crooked. I'm, I'm, and I'm so, just impressed there that you actually said he'd blow it by us as if we're all in the same group. <laughs> Y'all. Appreciate that, Dave. Well, Robert's a pretty big guy, so I have to imagine he could hit the ball somewhere. He might not know where it's I going. A he long way in the woods. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> we'll get along just fine. We probably yeah. ought to ride together. Yeah. But I, I think you'll, you'll see Jordan by the end of the year. He'll he'll show up with a few wins. We'll see. Justin Thomas. He's a winner. Justin Thomas Thomas is playing out of his mind. If he would have won, that would have been his eighth win in 32 starts. That's impressive in golf. I mean, that's that's Tiger-ish type numbers uh, when Tiger was was on his game. Now, I guess the question when you you invoke Tiger's name, I don't see any component of Justin Thomas where I'm like, wow. It just seems to be, you know, he's, he's a good shot maker. The unforced errors are always at a minimum. What is it that is that has got him on this type of run? What is it about his game? What's the what's the strongest yeah, suit? It's kind of it's kind of like 
really Jordan Spieth and their buddies and they grow up. I mean, they just kind of do everything pretty well. But, yeah, they're not going to overpower a golf course. He's a little seems longer. Like, he's a little longer. Than seems Jordan. like he's a little more for- focused. Yeah. Because it's yeah, not – certainly Spieth likes to hang out after he plays sometimes, you know. Right. Get, kind of gets out there that he likes – he'd be the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with, right? Yeah. And you know, he's got you got a little Yeti. Yeah, the, yeah, the so and you know a, Dustin, Dustin lights get down a little bit. That's a different level, but yeah. <laughs> but it seems like you never hear anything. I wouldn't else. put Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson in the same partying category. But I wouldn't put anybody in that. I wouldn't put um, Courtney Love in Dustin Johnson's category. Anyway, yeah. but Justin Thomas does seem to be a little more serious, and he seems to get a little more agitated, too. You well, might say he'd be more, more of a Pablo Escobar category. Oh, jeez. Oh, Lord. I'm glad we're podcast only at this point. <laughs> so the thing with, with Justin Thomas, and I said this the other day, Justin Thomas seems unflappable, which is one of the things that we talked about, Spieth, but I'm not sure that I'm not willing to say that Justin Thomas, I think, physically is more gifted than Jordan Spieth is. You said he's a little bit longer – Spieth is just, you know, he had this iron will, and I'm seeing that from Justin Thomas, that it doesn't matter. It's like water off a duck's back. Right. You know, he he doesn't get wrapped up, and, you know, he comes in even after Friday and comes out and shoots 14. 16 under on the weekend. That's impressive. That's pretty impressive. All right, we got half an hour to go. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome back, everybody. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that I am the biggest fan now of Shaquem Griffin from the University of Central Florida. I used to be the biggest combine nerd in the world. And I would watch wire to wire Tape it, watch it overnight, do whatever, and try to watch every minute of all the coverage, of all the position groups. And I realized a couple years ago, the only reason I was really watching was to see him run the 40. And I can do that in about five seconds just by checking the list of athletes and what their times were. So I saved myself like a week of 
living and actually doing something productive. But for those of you who have been living under a rock, Shaquem Griffin is a linebacker coming out of the University of Central Florida. He was born with a birth defect and had to have his left hand amputated when he was a child. And this guy has kind of come out of nowhere. And the first run sort of started over this weekend when he got with a prosthetic and did 20 reps of 225. Thinking he was only going to do about 11. Which is ludicrous. And then he lines up to run the 40 and runs a 4.38. And that's it. About 230 pounds. Now, his brother Shaquille plays in the NFL and is a cornerback. But Shaquille also ran a 4-4 at the combine, but weighs about 200 pounds. That's motoring. What are your thoughts, Brick? First of all, he's an amazing young man. The fact that he has allowed his uh, setback to keep him set back. And then he goes after things very aggressively. I was impressed with some of the interviews he did, uh, let alone his physical skill and uh, how well he did at the combine. Uh, matter of fact, I watched him play a couple times, and he's a tremendous player. So I think he's an inspiration for everybody, even outside of athletics, just because his attitude, his willingness to excel in spite of a situation that he has. Well, in – you know, I know his brother plays for the Seahawks cornerback, but so there's a little bit of that. But Richard Sherman says that if he's not a high draft pick, then there's something wrong with the system. Like he really feels that highly on him. And I guess in an odd way, the benefit that he has with, you know, I, I guess his defect is what you would call it, is that he's had it all of his life. You know, like if you grow up, you don't, with anything, maybe an issue, maybe not the benefit that others have all your life, you've adjusted it. So it's almost like you don't, you've never, you don't miss it. Right. Well, and not to make light of it, but you see players, particularly on defense, playing with wrist and hand injuries where they're bound up like a club. Right. And it's a, it's an adjustment for those guys, but they're in a lot of cases able to play effectively. And when you look at this young man, yeah, he's figured out how to compensate for it. You know, remember Jim Abbott played baseball professionally, pitched for the the Angels, and was able to transition, you know, from, you know, basically had one hand to throw and to wear his glove with and was able to transition. I'm certain that there are some limitations associated with this, but I would think at this point playing the way he does, I, I think it's minimal. Well, and think about the linebacker position, period. Think about what Luke Keekley does for Panthers. He's sideline to sideline. That's where that speed comes in. He's chasing you and he's bumping you out of bounds. He's wrapping you up in the middle. He really doesn't need to grab on your jersey. He's not going to be really chasing. Well, this guy might be chasing you from behind, given his 40 time. Right. But really, and I mean, I feel bad for Jason and Pierre Paul, and I think he's got a few fingers, but – when you are that talented and you know the game and you got that skill set with all that speed and athleticism, I think he's going to be just fine in the NFL. Well, we'll find out. Right now he's projected to be a second-day pick, which always kind of crosses me up because traditionally the draft was a two-day event. Now it's a three-day event. So when you say second-day pick, you're talking about second or third round. And I'll tell you, a linebacker that can scoot sort of you know, 
most teams, even if they call themselves a 4-3 anymore, play a nickel as their base. This guy is a nickel linebacker. Being able to run like that um, really could be exciting. I'm pumped for him, and I hope that this all works out. So good for him. And there's a message in all of this. We talked earlier about Grayson Allen and how there's some lessons you can take and and you know there's some things that you probably want to stay away from if you're a kid. If you're a young person out there, this should be the type of story that you look at and realize my troubles in most cases are minimal. Right. And if you've got that, if you've got the desire and that willingness to keep pushing, there's not a whole lot out there that you can't overcome. Now, that willingness to push forward and push the boundaries can also get you in trouble, especially in the recruiting game, if what you're searching for is the best project products in the country. And Sean Miller now, allegedly, I don't want to get sued, right. allegedly is on an FBI wiretap discussing a $100,000 payment with DeAndre Ayton. Now, first of all, it, The new Sean Miller theme song. Wait for it. Shaggy, man. You know Watts didn't know anything about Shaggy. Remember how good he was? I know that American music is better now because Shaggy's not in it. I can't wait for the hook. Couldn't wait for the hook. That was badly timed, but it wasn't me. That's Sean Miller's defense. Wasn't me. Remember the old Eddie Murphy right. bit? Yep. But I saw you with it. wasn't me. Hey, man, it wasn't me. wasn't me. Well, and I got on him about how specific he's – if you listen to him, he's very specific about who he talked to, who he didn't give money to. And see, for that, it solves the FBI portion of him not going to prison – but then I actually saw something else where he does make an overall statement that he's never given any money to any player or talked about. But that still doesn't mean he doesn't have handlers. You know Brandon, what I mean? I would be that much more impressed because we, we make fun of the fact that what Sean Miller did in a lot of words was say, it wasn't me. Right. I'd have been a whole lot more impressed if he had just sat at the mic and said, it wasn't me. Mic drop. Boom. Well, I'm out. It wasn't you, me. Don't you feel like we're in the eye of the storm? Like when the story broke, it was like, oh my God, this is the biggest right. thing that's ever happened to college basketball. And now players are getting p- cleared to play. It's quiet. It's like eerily quiet. You haven't heard anything else about it. Well, what got me was if they say they've got a guy on tape, that sounds like proof to me. Right. He comes out, denies it emphatically. So now what? It's like we got this Mexican standoff, and no, neither side is budging. It's, although it seems like the uh, coaches and the players are winning, but if they've really got proof and they really got tape, why don't they present the evidence? Because they don't have to. The FBI is going to move at their pace. The NCAA is going to move at their pace. The NCAA would just as soon – Turn this into a seven-year investigation. We've already seen that at Chapel Hill. Yeah, that's you know I was throwing that out there for you. <laughs> you Chum for the sharks, but the NCAA is not going to be in any hurry because they don't. You know they just soon this all went away because they know what's going on. They they're not. This is nobody at the NCAA offices is surprised. They're like, am 
which one of these cats got caught? Right. And when the FBI showed up, I'm sure the NCA was like, oh, hell. Well, yeah, we don't need this. We don't and, need this. And but I, here's my. I here, told Chris that Yahoo, Yahoo Sports has it out for college basketball. Like, it's cl- clickbait. Once I found out somebody's mom or a parent's got a pizza brought in, come on now. Well, like, like, to me, like whether it be Duke or Kansas, whoever, North Carolina, if the benefit was you had a meeting and somebody ordered in Domino's, you're really going to waste my time with that. And they only did it because they had the big name, the blue blood, blood name. Here's the, here's the thing that I would say. Uh, first of all, I think that Yahoo did everybody a disservice by lumping all this together. Right. That there's 30 whatever athletes, 30 programs included in this probe. And then when you peel it back, well, most of this is nonsense. Yeah, it's you know, a little somebody's, different. Somebody's mom had a had lunch with an agent, got pizza. Whatever. Come on, having hooker However, parties, having hooky, hooker, hooker parties is different than sixty five dollars at Ruth Chris, and you can't even walk in through the front door without spending sixty five bucks. Okay. Uh, so I don't even know how that even happened at that restaurant, but you can't. They must have an appetizer for sixty-five bucks. I don't know what that was. But here's the to play devil's advocate though. I do have to say that if Yahoo Sports had extracted one player from this investigation that the FBI has put out there, that they obviously have access to, if they put out one and not everybody, then it would be easy to point the finger and say, "Well, look, they got it out for Arizona." Or they've got it out for whomever the case might be. The fact that these, you know, the stuff with Michigan State and with Duke and the rest of these sort of falling by the wayside. Okay, cool. You know, I I just want to know at what point the national media is going to put that laser focus that's going to force the FBI's hand and the NCAA's hand. The reports have been out there all along that Adidas money and the rest of this was at the heart of it and that DeAndre Ayton and some of those cats that have come through that Arizona program since Sean Miller got there are tainted. Well, now, the NCAA is praying that someone who is not on that list wins the national championship, too. Well, of course they are. I mean, they're being quiet now because they got a tournament put on here in a couple of weeks. And they're just praying that, I don't know, Wichita State wins this thing or something. And and to be honest, I don't think at this point, I think we're jaded enough as sports fans, I don't think anybody's like, well, I'm not tuned into the tournament because these guys are paid. It's not going to affect anybody, but they don't want to have to take a banner down. They don't want to have to go do anything retroactive. We're going to finish that up, but before we do, I need to tease a category. We're at Libations every Wednesday. Come on out, play trivia with us. Now, we're changing things up a little bit. We have been running from 6.15, 6.30-ish to 8.30. There will be an 8 o'clock hard cutoff time. Been told that some of the folks that have got to get home for babysitters and things like that need to be out of there by 8.00. Eight will be the drop-dead point. We're going to do a category on Disney princesses on Wednesday this week, 6 p.m. Come out and check us out. Disney princesses is your teased category, so we'll get it hooked up. We'll do a music round. Yeah, we'll do all kinds of stuff, man. I don't know what the— Was Ariel a princess? That was pretty bizarre and a little creepy, I'm not going to lie. It reminded me of The Shape of Water, which won Best Film at the Oscars last night. And I've been arguing with everybody that's come through the door today. None of you have seen The Shape of Water except for me. And I'm telling anybody that's listening, that movie's a lot better than you think it's going to be. And if you read the synopsis and you're like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. 
So a lady falls in love with a sea creature, and it's a love story. I I get it. It sounds like you know some kind of bad I'm gonna Netflix make a movie. operation. I could I couldn't get past that. I'm just telling you, dude. It's not a bad movie. I watched it under duress, but I had to walk away from it. And I was like, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Now, for my money, The Darkest Hour should have been film of the year, hands down. Gary Oldman did win. You got to think Gary Oldman's like, really? I can't fi- beat a fish dude? Right. Yeah. Well, he got the Best Actor Award, though. Oh. So there's that. But I thought Darkest Hour should have been movie of the year. Dunkirk kind of cleaned up last night. That was a good flick. Um, the cinematography, it's over the top and all the rest of that stuff. But, yeah, we should have – we've decided we're going to have a regular segment from, from henceforth. Uh, it'll be called Chris's Bootleg. <laughs> what are we going to call it? we got to come up with a good name for it. Chris's Illegal Activity. Uh, it's only – it's barely illegal. So – 15 more minutes to go, or do I have this counted right? Yeah, we got one more on the other side. Keep on listening. You're listening on WBLZ or to the podcast. Come on out. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to the very last segment of From the Cheap Seats this week. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Robert Bricky. We had a house full of people at one point today. I think there were about 10 people in here, and now it's down to just us hanging out. And I thought this weekend we ought to, like, go ahead and make our number one seed predictions. And then as I watched the Big Ten tournament and saw Michigan State go out in the semis, well, first of all, I'd be remiss. And I just have to throw myself on the sword. When I saw Ohio State go out in the quarterfinal to Penn State, then Michigan State get beat by Michigan in the semis, and then Purdue dropped the finals to Michigan, I realized it's foolhardy to make any predictions about these number one seeds because the tournaments are so underrated. And I keep seeing Lenardi and the rest of these people, and they're making these projections. They've got these ones and twos. And they're talking about it as if the conference tournaments are not going to happen. Right. You know, some of these teams that are sitting right now at 18 and 13 are going to run off three or four more wins in the conference tournament. That means something. Not to mention you've got a full week of ball left ahead. Well, if Carolina's the sixth seed and they don't get the double bye like they would have if they were third and fourth, I think that they if they get matched up with like a Syracuse up in New York – We've already established Roy Williams doesn't care anything about this tournament. You might see them get bounced the first time they play. Um, but, yeah, you can't tell. It, and I, it goes to show with the number one seeds this year, there are no great teams. And we've said it over and over again. And then one will have kind of a little bit of a run. And, man, you're going to sit here and make me say it's Virginia. Man, that's painful. You know, I mean, I just 
it's hard to predict anything this year. Well, right now the team that's hot at the right time is Xavier, who locked in the Big East title. Um, you know, Kansas, we've talked about that, really isn't the Kansas team you've come to expect. Kentucky's completely off the radar. Brick, you said earlier off the air, and I want to I want to know if you're willing to repeat that, that you feel like John Calipari should be on the hot seat right now. I do. I, I think the Blue Bloods of Kentucky won a national championship, and that's how they measure success, and he hasn't delivered. And he's had all the talent in the world and in his programs for the last nine years and hadn't won a title. I think they're getting a little antsy. You know how you can get proof of that? Because, you know, we're very regional here with the ACC on our show. We don't mean to be, but we just get down that rabbit hole. Take your car and drive it through Kentucky right now and listen to sports radio. It's all Kentucky basketball. It's all Kentucky basketball. And I can guarantee you every – is it a Kentuckian? Did you used to live there, Chris? You've lived everywhere. Yes, I did. I lived in – not just in Kentucky. I lived in Lexington for two years. And I've told you before, no offense to UNC or Duke or Indiana or Kansas or anybody else, there is no basketball country in this nation of ours like northern Kentucky, period. And the the blood feud between Louisville and Kentucky is something serious. But if you live in or around Lexington, Kentucky, you are absolutely smothered by college basketball 12 months out of the year. That's what it is. And, Robert, you mentioned he got him the ring. That floats in Memphis, right? If you win one in Memphis, you're there for life. Right. You went in most places, you're there for life. Except uh, for Kentucky. Except for Kentucky, because not only is he not winning at a program that's storied, but he's losing with the some of the best players available. Right. He's either number – let's call it top five recruits every year, and he's not getting it done. Okay, let's, let, let's not overstate that now. Because you're saying that he's not winning – you're talking about a team that, since 2011, has four Final Four appearances and a national title. Okay, so let's not uh, let let's not get too carried well, away. The barometer is national championship, not Final Four. So that's how they measure in Lexington. So my statement was. They're getting antsy about winning the title, and he hadn't gotten well, it done. Just think about Duke. You you give that same stat in Durham under a Coach K team, well, it's about time for him to win another one. Exactly. You know, I mean, these are the type of programs we're talking about here. It's championships. Final Four? Who remembers in the Final Four? Two years ago, Syracuse made the Final Four. Who remembers that? I remember because I know where I was when we were getting jobbed by the refs. But nobody cares about that unless you're so, like with, aside from Kentucky's national title in 2012 with a bunch of freshmen. Is there another freshman heavy team that's won a national title? Uh, Duke won with uh, Tyus Winslow. Yeah, Okafor and I can't think of the. There was another freshman on that team. Okay. Well, well that was the Grayson Allen's. Yeah, Grayson. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute now. Okay. Yeah. That was pretty much an all freshman team right there. Okay, I'll buy that for a nickel. 
Only but I Duke was gonna can, ask. Only Duke and Kentucky can get freshmen like that. Us poor Tar Heels, man, we gotta grind them out. Well, I mean, my question is, is if you're looking and, and the norm has become with these big programs, well, we're just gonna load up with all these freshmen. So you got a Duke team, and you've got a Kentucky team. But other than that, it's been other teams that have won those national championships. you got two North Carolina championships, the Villanova championship. Is the freshman experiment, is that the way to go? Is that the way you're going to win yourself national championships? I think if you get a good mix of both. I mean, the thing about it is if you get a top one or two recruiting class, it means you've made promises to all these kids to come right. to your school. So you got to play them. And typically it's a one-and-done situation. So you narrow your – um, you know, your margin for success right then and there. You know, I think it's amazing, like you pointed out, Grayson Allen's the only senior on that team this year. You know, imagine if the, any one of those, like say Wendell Carter Jr. stayed, he's not. But if he stayed and they got a couple of freshmen in with some, you know, upperclassmen, that's a team I wouldn't want to play. Well, I mean, we we talked about it this weekend. If Duvall, I, I think he says his name Duval. I got to make sure I get that right. I want to. I've got a name that people mispronounce all the all the time. Um, and Trent, those two guys legitimately might hang around for a year or two. And if they do with this incoming class, that's a whole different animal than if right. it, the cupboard's bare. Grayson Allen's gone, and now you bring in these four or five freshmen, and that's what happens. And that's what Kentucky's been doing consistently. There hasn't been that stable of senior or upper class leaders within that team. And right now they're running a. a team that is really like seven deep with nothing but freshmen and when the poo hits the fan I got a you question. don't know how these guys are going to react Robert answer this if K wins with Bagley this year do you think he coaches anymore yes he still just got that much more in the still tank still loves it having fun doing it what a perfect time to sell off in the sunset are you right John Elway Elway go out on top but that's amazing to me. I mean, if I mean, if, who's going to ever run him out of the program? Nobody. No, he'll stay too. But to me, if you drop the mic, Bagley, because Duke's my favorite. Duke's been my favorite all year long. And with Bagley playing like that, God, man, how can it get much better than well, that? Well, I also think that the guys like Roy Williams and, and Mike Krzyzewski, who have achieved a certain level of talent, I think they've got the rings, and they are above – all of this recruiting impropriety stuff, because at this point, winning the next one is probably not as important as protecting their body of work as a legacy. You got a guy like Sean Miller that's out there, and I don't know Sean Miller personally, but if half of what's being said is true, that sort of shows the motivation of these guys to get to that Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski level. And it's not hard to understand that that's how things go. Um, you you've got some good some good uh, insight into the NC State violation. We we do good to wrap up with this because I think everybody in the state assumed there was some money going into the pocket of Dennis Smith Jr. when he signed at NC State two years well, it's ago. It's just like Washington and Michael Porter Jr. Why? But, but wait, wait, wait a minute. I want you to I want you to get this in though because NC State does not appear to have been a part of this. Please explain. Are you talking about Dennis Smith Jr.? I mean, give me some 
you're, you're, what are you you're the one that told me that NC State had already issued a letter oh, yeah, to this I'm particular sorry, agent. About this particular agent. I'm sorry, you're th- you threw me off. Yeah, they have a letter, electronic letter and hard copy that they already sent to this agent well before all this broke, saying not come around our program anymore. And then when you get Gottfried fired and Dennis Smith's a one and done, they clearly did something there. They're right. saying thirty-seven grand or whatever the case may be or whatever the number is. So, Brick, you've been in the recruiting game. Does that smack of a smokescreen? They said, hey, we know this guy's acting on our back. You know, we're going to go ahead and throw this out there so we've got a record. Or do you think that they legitimately are like, dude, don't get us in trouble. Don't talk to that kid. Which would you assume? I, I think they, they handled it the right way. I think they had a legitimate – Cause and they tried to get ahead of the curve on that situation. They've been in trouble before. They don't want to deal with that again. And even though this is not an NC State person, those people affect affect your programs. If I got an agent who's trying to make loans or payments to a player, that's going to reflect poorly on us. We could get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. So I think they – handled it the right way, and it was not a smokescreen. I think it was a legitimate effort to try to keep that guy from the program. Right, and you see what happens. Lo- with- even loans with, like, jewelry and stuff, you don't think that should be? <laughs> you know, not paying a bill is the is the way to stay out of trouble. I can't believe you did that, but we'll, we'll let him get you back at some point. But – the thing with the with these kids, you see like with the Tony Bradley episode. Tony Bradley, you know, there's the report, well, Tony Bradley had a meeting with an agent. Well, yeah, then you peel it back and you're like, well, the meeting with the agent came after he'd already announced he was leaving school. Yeah. I don't really know, not to, you know, sound like a, a big UNC supporter, but how do you really hold the school accountable? You know, get down to what's important. You know, if it impacts this young man and their decision-making process to come to your university, now we have a problem. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about paying DeAndre Ayton $100,000, even though he's worth every nickel of that, oh, yeah. which opens some... up a whole nother, you know, right. can of worms. Because if there's one player not named Marvin Bagley in the country right now who's worth six figures to a team, it's DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, he's nasty. Now, Brick, you said – we were talking about you know well-rounded players. Aiton is a monster. What? Do, who does he compare to at the next level? He's an old throwback. He's almost a center. You never hear of centers in the in the game. Everybody wants to be a stretch four. Well, you'll have to come back so you can expand upon that. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, look for those brackets. You can get one cheapseatradio at gmail.com. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.